What would it look like to expand our capacity to enjoy God, to participate with God, and to put ourselves in a place where God's power and love can more freely flow through us, blessing those around us? Is this how you think of the practice of fasting? We're starting this month's discipline theme of fasting with Colorado pastor and Renovare ministry team member Mimi Dixon. Mimi's so good to help us move away from viewing fasting as working out a sort of deal with God. You know, I'll give up X if you give me Y. Rather, like all spiritual disciplines, it's about relationship. It's a way to give the Holy Spirit increasing permission to transform us. My name is Nathan Foster, and welcome to the Renovare Weekly Podcast. It might be helpful to reframe it because I, I think that lots, many, at least in my experience, many discussions of fasting have to do with what we're giving up. Mm-hmm. My experience of fasting is that it, it throws you into this place where um, years ago, one of my preaching professors said that when we preach, it was Ian Pitt Watson from England. He's now with the Lord. Thanks be to God. Anyway, he said, Ian Pitt Watson said, don't worry when you're preaching because you're whistling Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. What they hear is the whole orchestra <laughs> because the spirit is in their ears. And fasting is the way that I put myself in that space. I'm, I'm, I'm fasting from everything but the word of God. I'm putting myself in that space so that when I speak, he's in my words. And when they listen, he's in their ears. And I'm whistling and they're hearing a symphony. Mm. So back, back this up because this started with uh, something you heard from Dallas years ago. No, it started with the dream. Yes. Okay. Which, which said there is, um, well, <laughs> I was trying to solve a problem. I don't remember exactly what it was. You never do. But at the time it was pressing and I couldn't get it off my mind. And I was worrying about thinking about it all the time and turning it around and trying to solve it. And one night it was actually pretty close to early morning. It's that time, you know, when your when your body is still asleep but your spirit is is awake. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that little that special little time. Yeah, I have that. I have that window too. Where... Yeah, I know you do. Oh, okay. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I always write it down. If something happens yeah. in that window, I, it, it's when I'm um, shut down enough to pay attention, right? Yeah, it, well, I think I think that's right. <laughs> So I had this dream, and you remember okay. I, I wrote it. Can I read it to you? Please, please, go for it. When I went to bed the previous evening, I'd been wrestling with my perennial question of how to merge my experience with Jesus in the heavens with everyday life. I was no closer to solving the puzzle than I ever had been. As the dream opened, I was sitting in a dark room at a small table lit from above by an incandescent light bulb. The light cast a circle of illumination on a white piece of paper, along the top of which was printed a long, complicated mathematical problem. I was bent over the page, scribbling figures, trying to solve the equation. I made an exclamation of exasperation and crumpled the page, throwing it onto an overflowing wastebasket 
beneath, based on the pile of crumpled pages. I'd been at this for some time. Now, th- let and me just this, pause. This is all yeah. part of that dream yeah. experience. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting at the table doing this as the dream opens. Got it. Okay. I'd just begun recalculating on a fresh sheet of paper when I heard a voice behind me say, you won't figure it out that way. Preoccupied with the problem, I did not look up. I said, mostly to myself, either I don't have enough information to solve this equation, or I simply have not yet found the key. I don't know which is true. The voice repeated, you won't figure it out that way. Annoyed, my eyes fixed on the page before me, I replied, I don't know any other way to solve it. The voice continued, you won't succeed because you're using a linear approach to solve a problem that is not linear. What do you mean linear? I twisted in my chair to see who was speaking to me, but could see no one in the shadows. The voice continued, you have to learn to think quanta. The dream ended. Fully awake now, I wondered, quanta? What in the world is quanta? Curious, I got out of bed to locate a dictionary. I looked it up. Quanta, the smallest unit of energy. What in the world does it mean to think quanta? The next morning, I called a friend of mine who's a uh, physicist. I asked what he thought it meant to think quanta. He thought for a moment, and then John replied that it might have something to do with dimensional perception. Hmm. So I've been sitting with this all these years. And then in Life Without Lack, Dallas's new book, I read where Dallas said that God is energy in its purest form. And he described, he gave several examples in chapter one of what that energy of God looks like. He said that our triune God is like, and this is my language for what Dallas said, Mm -hmm. Dallas dumbed down, you know. (laughs) He said that the Trinity is like this ocean of love and delight and beauty and purity and absolute essence. And that when God created us in his image, he gave us like a, a thimbleful capacity to experience that life with God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that the way that God, the way we enter into that is through Logos, it's through word, it's through our mind and our thinking and our understanding. And Dallas was always talking about this, how we really need to think about these things and allow them to mm-hmm. shape our perception, how we frame reality and then live. So you and I carry in ourselves this thimbleful of God's abundant creative energy. And Dallas said that faith born out of experience is the means by which the mind contacts reality. I think that's what it means to think quanta. Hmm. So the word of God spoken to us as an energy that has the creative power to draw us into the flow of what God is doing. So we see differently. We perceive differently. We say, oh, there he is. This is what God is doing. Ah, and we have a front row seat to it. And we're drawn into it. So then there's there are two things now, because one of them is a conversation I had with Dallas about fasting. Okay. Because okay. I wanted to know what his practice was. And the other is what he says in Life Without Lack. Mm-hmm. He says, in this regard, it's interesting to think about the practice of fasting. In, in regard it, to God as energy. Is, yes, yeah, and yeah. communicating to us. Mm-hmm. And what it can teach us about the reality of the word of God coming to us and sustaining our bodies without the intermediary of matter. Whoa, 
boom. So then he gives two examples from the life of Jesus. He says, Jesus gives us clues about this. The first, of course, is the temptation in the wilderness. He's hungry. The devil comes along and says, well, God's given you the capacity to change stones to food. So do it. There's no harm in that. Just do it. And Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's in Matthew 4, 4. Then another clue. Jesus and his disciples have gone through. They're going through Samaria. They stop at Sychar at a well. All 12 go into town to get food, which is unnecessary. Leaving Jesus there by himself, he talks to the woman at the well. They come back. They say, here's some food for you. We brought you food. Eat. Mm -hmm. And he says, I have food to eat of which you do not know. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Now, Thomas Kelly said that fasting cultivates in us a gentle receptiveness to divine breakthroughs. Mm, hold I on. know. Oh, say that one Isn't again. Isn't that awesome? It is. Say that again. Fasting cultivates in us a gentle receptiveness to divine breakthroughs. Think quanta. Mm-hmm. So finally, 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 I, all this time I've been thinking, all right, what, what do you do? How do you, how do you get in that space where you begin to think with God, the thoughts of God, the quanta? Fasting. Mm, opens that door. So here's the other piece of that. So I asked Dallas, I said, Dallas, how do you practice fasting? And he said, well, you know, I have some blood, blood, um, blood sugar issues. So I can't do extended fasts, but he said, this is what I do. He said, before he preaches, he fasts or he speaks, he fasts. And I said, well, uh, don't you experience that you don't quite have the energy you need? And he said, oh, Mimi, he said, no, quite the opposite. He said, I'm never hungry. He said, um, and this is my my language for sure. what he said. He said, it's, it's like riding a wave. He feels caught up in the energy of God and his thoughts are clearer. He has a sense of what needs to be emphasized and what maybe in what he prepared was isn't so important to to stress. And he said he has experienced that that it's like Jesus is in his words. Again, there's that word, that word, word, that that God is present in our word, his word through our word, and people hear the symphony. <laughs> they hear more than we say. <laughs> I, I mean, it's we, absolutely amazing. We've opened up the receptors to to hear yeah. the hum. Hmm. And all it takes is walking through that door of of fasting. Hmm. I mean, easy peasy. Awesome. (laughs) And you just walk into the space where God is present and leaning into us and and longing to speak a word that we can receive. Hmm. And we get to have a front row seat to that. And and fasting is, is the doorway in. So I sat there listening to him and I thought, well, shoot. (laughs) <laughs> I can do that. I did. I thought I can do that. So I went home and I did. Okay. So it's been over 20 years now. I fast before preaching, before um, I speak. And it's just like he said, it's, I came out of worship yesterday and there's a woman in our church who's, who had been here years ago when I first came and then has left and is, 
has been president of a couple colleges. And she said, there is something different about you. She said, it's not, it's not necessarily the content. It's almost that when you're speaking, I feel something happening in me that it, she said, I'm, and she said, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm struggling to describe it. But when you're talking, I can see what you're talking about and I can feel what you're describing and I want it. Mm. And this is what we experienced in Dallas all the time. So what we experience when we read what Nate Foster, Foster <laughs> has written, truly, Nate, it's, you know, it's words, but through those words, whether spoken or written, something is happening and we know more than we knew before and we see more than we saw. Mm. It's, it's, so it isn't so much what we're abstaining from, mm-hmm. it's what we're feasting, feasting on. on. Yes, yes. We're immersing ourselves in the logos and, and that, that living word, Jesus, God in his mercy gives us the opportunity to participate in that in a way that's absolutely astonishing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as Jonathan Edwards says, and I love this about Jonathan Edwards, our little tiny thimble of the energy that we're able initially being image bearers to contain begins expanding and growing. And we're not waiting for that. That's happening. And someday in heaven, he says, Edwards said that, our capacity for joy will increase geometrically over time until we're like a swimming pool mm-hmm. and then like a pond and then like a lake. I mean, think about that. <laughs> Able to participate more and more in the joy and the beauty of God. Mm. So when we say, oh, that's so great. That sounds so great. How do I get into it? Fasting. Who knew? It's a it's a wonderful door. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so you've been at this practice for years to fast before you speak. What about for those who don't speak? And what would you say to those who primarily view fasting as a a space of suffering and giving up? Well, let's start with your first question. Um, We, here at our church over the the years, we've done experiments in things, a one-month experiment. Sometimes longer than one month, but usually one month. And most people think, well, I guess I can tithe for one month. (laughs) You know, I mean, I can do one month. And then they discover something going on that that is so surprising. One month becomes two months and then six months and then three years. It's just they they say, I can do this. (laughs) Well, we did fasting. And I know that you've done lots of different kinds of fasting from media, um, fasting from television. Um, some people I did it this year, really difficult fasting from lattes during Lent, you know, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> so, uh, yes, we do do things for periods of time. Um, and this is something that anybody can do. Mm-hmm. What we have discovered when we did the experiment in fasting is people would say, I would say, identify something that's heavy on your heart, where you're really seeking the Lord's guidance, or you're praying for um, a child maybe who's far from the Lord, 
or a situation in your work environment, difficulties relationally with a colleague, and you don't want to be reactionary. You want to you want to be responsive and loving to them. Mm-hmm. Think about a situation that's really feels like a, you're stuck. So take that stuck thing, mm-hmm. and and let's hold that in the context that fasting becomes a way that God begins to help us see where where He is. Recognize what he's doing and see how he's inviting us to participate. Sometimes it's doing stuff. stuff. Sometimes it's just in prayer agreeing with what he's doing. So people have experienced epiphanies mm-hmm. um, where they just suddenly see something that they didn't before. They've, incre- they've experienced an increased effectiveness in intercessory prayer. Um, maybe they don't see magic, you know, where boom, somebody's totally different. But they begin to have a peaceful sense of God's presence in a way that enables them to rest with him with expectancy. Mm -hmm. Um, People have experienced uh, deliverance. People who, you know, from all kinds of things. We have all sorts of addictive stuff going on for us, ways that we feel better when we're depressed or fill up quickly or whatever. And people have experienced some some loosening of, of that bondage of those strongholds. Um, guidance in making decisions. Mm-hmm. So fasting puts us into the flow. It's it's a way. It really is a way, in my experience, that that I I don't um, maybe rush off and get a latte. Maybe I instead sit down and pray and say, "All right, so Jesus, where are you in this? What are you inviting me to see?" So it's it's turning from this in order to embrace that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess is the there is a distinct difference to me to approach fasting as the possibility, the potential, this kind of openness of waiting, what might, right? the possibility of what might happen, occur, experience, obviously not holding to it, but open to it. Something very different to me when we approach it that way, as opposed to, okay, you know, now I, I really need to suffer for Jesus or something or but it's a joy, right? Well, yeah, he's he's all around us. It's this amazing beauty and life and joy and dance that's happening around us all the time and it troubles me. I I've, I've been reading some Helen Keller and she talked about how she sees more than people who have sight. Hmm. And she talks about how she pays attention to things and attends to things. And she talks about the the touching uh, a rose with her hands and feeling the petals and the convolutions and smelling the fragrance and allowing that rose to speak to her of beauty. And she said, um, as opposed to people who buy them and give them to somebody and say happy birthday and, you know, they don't really pay much attention to the rose. So she was talking about what does it mean to attend and to be present to beauty and to light, to life, to sunshine, to water, to a breeze that carries the fragrance of spring blossoms. And she says, you all are missing out on so much because you're not paying attention. You take it for granted. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so true, Nathan, about the life of God, our life with God our life with the Trinity. I want my capacity to contain the energy and the life 
and the hope and the goodness of God. I want that thimble to get bigger. I want it to be uh, a little a little cup and then maybe a juice glass and then, you know, a huge coffee mug. I want that capacity to grow. And fasting, fasting from distractions or attachments or, um, you know, not for forever. You, I guess you'd croak if you didn't eat anymore. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, there, right. there are ways that I can deliberately choose life. And fasting is a way into that. <laughs> as far as what it is, what we fast from, I, I think um, we pay attention to what the Spirit is bringing to our attention that just keeps coming back. It just keeps circling around and we notice it again and we go, oh, there it is again. Mm-hmm. That's one of the ways that I, I think the spirit layers for me when I'm seeking guidance to say, okay, I am seeing that this is a means of grace, that this this is a, a way, a door into something I very much want. So what should it look like for me in my situation? Um, it may be young, different for a mother with young kids. It may be different for a retired person. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, as said, for me as a pastor, I don't want to be speaking Mimi's words or Mimi's idea or opinion. What I want to say to Jesus is I'm available to you. Whatever you, however I can serve you and your purpose in this situation is what I want with all my heart. May my words be your words. I want to be able to say what Jesus did in John 5, where he says, I only speak what I hear the Father speaking. I only do what I see the Father doing. And for Jesus, he would spend the night fasting and praying in order to determine the next leg of of, um, his life with God. Mm -hmm. So fasting for Jesus was, it was a way in. I've heard people reference, you know, the 40 days and then tempted by Satan that that almost is like a boy, you know, Satan came when he's at his weakest, you know, 40 days. I've never done a 40-day fast, but to me, I almost want to say he was at his strongest. He was definitely in the flow, don't you think? I do. Because his mind wasn't full of of how hungry he was. Mm -hmm. His mind was full of the word, the living word of God. So we could quote Moses and say, well, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so Dallas said that he believed that we could, what he said when he talked about fasting before speaking, he said, I have experienced that God has sustained me physically, Mm -hmm. not just, you know, that I'm having some kind of wonderful spiritual epiphany that I'm sharing with people. He said, physically, I am sustained. I'm not hungry. I don't have low blood sugar. I'm not shaky. I'm not weak. I'm not faint. Mm-hmm. And he said, when, when Jesus said, I, you know, I have bread to eat that you know nothing about. He said, I think he was taught, he was describing a reality. It wasn't some sort of spiritual, you know, little talk he was giving. It was the real deal. It was actual and it was literal. He wasn't hungry. He was being sustained. And he's right in between. This woman has just left. She left when she saw the others show up. I'm sure their faces showed some contempt. And he knows that in a few minutes, the whole town's going to come back. Mm -hmm. He starts off by talking to him. He says, I have bread you know nothing about. And then he said, open your eyes. 
Can you not see that the fields are ripe for the harvest? No, we're in Samaria. <laughs> and then the little town shows up. They come in back from town with food. She comes back from town with the whole population. I mean, think about it. <laughs> Who was focusing on what? Right, right. You said something earlier that I've often thought about, that what we should fast from and mm-hmm. when we should, that that's something we need to be prayerfully listening for. Has that been your experience? Yeah, you know, there are so many ways that that um, growing up in a culture where we learn to leverage. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't think we need to leverage God or say, well, if I do this, will you do that? If I fast for every Wednesday for uh, forty days or for two months, um, will you please do something in my child's life? Well, what we know is God wants very much to be involved in that child's life. This is not something that we're trying to persuade God to do. <laughs> what we're really doing is we're moving over into this place where he is already present. God is already present at work. The father's there. The son is there. The spirit is there hovering, reaching out, loving, holding, whispering. And our that we care about it, persistently care about it enough to hurt and to pray and, and to be leaning in is not leveraging God at all. It's participating in what God is doing. He gives us a front row seat. Mm -hmm. He says, will you come and wait with me? Will you come and pray with me? Will you come and love with me? Will you walk with this person with me? Let's surround this person and uphold them. Let's, Let's be like a balloon that lifts them above their situations into this beautiful place where they're at rest. And then let's see what happens when they're free to begin thinking differently and not just trying to survive. So I don't see fasting as being leveraging. So what I really want to do is to say to Jesus, where do you want me to stand in this? What kind of fast will enable Mm -hmm. me to participate most intimately in what you're doing? Because I really care about it. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the care about it comes from him because I'm not turned in on myself. I'm actually focused on someone else. And I think that if I ask, he will say, this is what I invite you to do with me. And we do it together. Yeah. So it's really different. Now you're entering into this. Um, it's like Jesus saying, um, let's go dig a well, Mimi. And he throw- <laughs> tosses me a shovel and we go and we dig a well together. Um, and so because I'm digging a well with Jesus today, I'm not doing something else, but who cares? (laughs) I mean, really, who cares? I, I found that when, when I am feeling invited into a fast, whether that's for specific reason or purpose, or just a sense that, um, let's go explore what it's like to let go of this. What I found Mm -hmm. is that. As I'm working with that, I get this curiosity, almost an enthusiasm to give up whatever it is I'm giving up, as opposed to begrudging. I'm like, I wonder what it'd be like to let go of you know, yeah. anything plugged in this week and see what I find. Um, I don't know. Is that, does that ring for you? You know, I would really love to say that that's always true. Sometimes it just... You know, sometimes sometimes it's just plain hard. 
because you have agreed that um, Jesus is inviting you into this. And and one of the, thing that, the things that we all know about and where Jesus started right after his call into ministry, he was he entered into a season of temptation. And for Jesus, the temptations were really the job description of the Messiah that he'd grown right. up with. Right. They were good things. They weren't the seven deadly sins or Evagrius's nine bad thoughts. You know, they weren't those things. They were they were good things that weren't done in the right way. Mm-hmm. And Jesus just said no to them because he was so deeply enmeshed in the heart of God, not in the job description. So he kept the first thing first and second thing second. So I look at him and I say, show me how to do that. If he was tempted, and he was tempted because he was good, not because he was vulnerable to evil, then I can assume that if Jesus is inviting me into, as Eugene would say, a long obedience in the right direction, in the same direction, to follow him in that way, then there are going to be days when I'm going to be crabby about it. I just don't want to fast today. I I don't see why. But this is why where community comes in. We do this together. And on days like that, you say, how are you doing? And I say, "Hmm, uh, having kind of a tough time. And you say, "Um, well, let's take a walk or whatever, you know. Maybe it's been a a real grace for me that so many of these have felt just, I don't want to say easy, but enthusiastic, at least at the beginning of. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So another question. I mean, I, I love what you're painting for us as as this invitation into partnering, joining, uh, following Jesus into something new. What about when someone begins a fast of any kind and then they fail? Well, grace. <laughs> uh, you know, this is not this is not some kind of legal contract. I do this and and then God promised to to show up and do that, which happens to be what I asked for to begin with. Again, it's not, this is about relationship. Mm -hmm. This is about a relationship of love. And while Jesus and I are partnering together, he has drawn me into feeling deep passion about certain people in my life, certain places in the world, um, things that are happening uh, around me in our country, internationally, you know, that kind of thing. We, we are aware of these things. We, I think the spirit brings it to our attention. And over time, we become less self-centered and more other-centered and, and more concerned about these things and more available to how God would have us hold those things in prayer. So I, if, if it's a, I don't know that I really have much place, Nathan, for failing in any of the disciplines. Because I I think that they really are relational. All of them are relational. They're not transactional and they're not Mm -hmm. propositional. They're all relational. They are a a way into the heart of God and a way to give the spirit increasing permission to transform me. I can't transform myself, but I, I can cooperate in the disciplines are relational. Mm-hmm. Um, and fasting is part of it. Fasting is saying for this period of time right now, I am going to focus my attention 100% 
on the word that you want to speak into me, or in the case of, of writing or speaking, to focus 100% on the words that you would offer others through me, through my experience, through what you've enabled to come alive in me. And when we do so, we know we have a conversation with with a friend who's going through a hard time and we sit there with a cup of coffee growing cold and we listen. That's a means of grace. They're not by themselves. So it's we have access at all these levels. I'm choosing not to do that so I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone begins a fast of, of, of any kind. And, you know, like I'm, I'm going to do this for a week and then become crabby, life happens, and those plans go out the window. Um, it, it, at least for me, those become really helpful learning spaces relationally, right? The prayer yeah, becomes, that's, that's good. you know, what happened there? Uh, you know, and, and, and then we get to interact with that. Um, and that's, I'm with you. The word failure, I don't think fits in there so much. I don't think it really, I think failure and the disciplines are, they're, they're like opposite ends of a magnet. They push away from each other because it's not, that's not relevant. We're in this growing relationship. And as you said, if you're, if you're in this fast and you're praying about something and then life happens, well, that's a call, I think. That's Jesus saying, ooh, let's tap the pause button on this thing here. And let's just say that you've come as far as you need to at this point. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Let's focus together on this. Or even to say, what if that period of time was enough mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to prepare you to be in this space yeah. where you can available be available to what God is doing instead of just, you know, whatever we might right. do otherwise. Right. I had a fast once. I was I was doing it was, it was for a week. Okay, started mm-hmm. it out on a Saturday, you know, very whatever. Well, that afternoon, <laughs> kind of this big argument with uh, with Christy, <laughs> and I left, and I drove, and I I I, I went to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh. <laughs> I got a big box of chicken legs and I sat mad, you know, like, I'm not going to fast. This is stupid eating this. And it became so helpful to kind of yes. laugh and go, I don't think I was supposed to go into this fast. You know, I mean, this, it, I was getting, at any rate, it was a learning experience as I ate my. Uh, well, so you, you, you make a good point. I have a habit. Of now of fasting uh, before I preach because as I said I I Dallas said that he felt like he was hearing and seeing his mind was clear he saw things happening he felt that he was present to something maybe that's a better way of putting it mm-hmm. than if he um, you know just went into it as sort of a routine thing that he'd prepared and sure he was going to pray that God would be present, but there's something different with fasting. It's a participation in what in God's word. Now that for me is a habit and I, it's not a habit I'm going to give up because I, (laughs) I, you know, I mean, I see what I come into a room, I turn on a light switch and the room fills with light. Now, when I go into a room that's dark, I find the light switch and I turn it on. It's a habit for me because I know what's going to happen. I'm going to be able to see and find my way. 
I'm going to be able to be present to what's in that room in a different way than if I just wandered in or tried to turn on my, the phone on my the light on my phone and could see some little little area. Turning on the light, you see more. You get to be part of it in a different way. In terms of other forms of fasting, media fast, I always do something during Lent because I, I think it's important for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people do something that gives them joy for Lent instead of taking something away. So I, I think it's what the Spirit is saying and leading you to do. So we say to Jesus, I'm available to you. I understand the power of this. And because of that, I have a habit in this area of fasting. Is there something else? Is there a situation? Um, and if fasting comes to my mind and it feels really confirmed, then I step into it. But if you move into it and you've been into it a little bit, one of the things your dad says in his book, in his chapter on fasting, is he says, how do you know when to stop a fast? He said, when you start having reactions in your body that, um, you know, are that tell you to stop, we pay attention to that. <laughs> it's kind of simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and we don't, don't you think that we do all of these things in community? These are relational disciplines between us and the Trinity and us and one another. Mm-hmm. And these these disciplines are a way of entering into and having access to the presence of God that's around us all the time. So we become more alert like Jesus. I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. Well, I want that kind of mm-hmm. um, permeability. Well, I'm, it is very helpful to have a, a person or a few people that you can – work some of these ideas with and to Mm -hmm. say, you know, I think, I think I'm going to fast from this for this period of time. And to be able to have that conversation where someone can go, um, yeah, Nate, really unreasonable for you to do, you know, this or that, or, you know, just kind of, it's a great idea. Probably not now. Yeah. 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 To have that community. And then I can kind of check in and and then if it doesn't go, like, I think it should have gone, it becomes a point of conversation with people. Exactly. Very helpful. So it's not legalism. Right. What we're all doing, we're all traveling together. And we're sharing, you know, Dallas, obviously, for so many of us, was a real help because he thought about, he tried things and he thought about them deeply. He was immersed in scripture. He was immersed in the ancients. Your dad is the same way. And so you have a conversation and you say, what do you know about this? And they say, well. Uh, what the first thing I would say is don't um, turn aside or discount what the voice of so many followers of Jesus have said over the years is helpful to them. Mm-hmm. If we're looking for what's helpful to help us become more and more accessible to what the Spirit of God is doing in us and around us and through us, then here are some things we can do that will increase our thimble capacity for joy <laughs> mm-hmm. and beauty and to be contained to contain the life of God. Now, if that's what we really care about, and somebody comes along and says, forever and ever, Jesus himself, the Old Testament, all these people, they practiced fasting. And when they did, they said that it um, it opened them up to the Spirit of God in ways that were completely remarkable and so valuable that the cost was so worth it. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mimi? 
I can't yeah. thank you enough for this. So, <laughs> well, thank you for the privilege. I, I love talking about this. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, there you have it. You know, occasionally during an interview, I have to close my eyes, listen deeply, and soak it all in. And this was one of those interviews. Hey, I'm reminded that next month Mimi will be with us at the Pastors Conference in Oregon. So enjoy getting to hear her speak. And really, this event is for anyone in church leadership or interested into integrating spiritual practices into congregational life. You can find out more information on our website under the 40-year events. Have a great week.